welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Podcast. Today we have Amy and Marla and Chris and Carrie. Good to have everyone. Today's story is entitled Dow. How appropriate. Pretty good story. It's got uh, it's got some one of those, Marla, one of your moments at the end. Um, announcements, let's see. Zoom aameetings.com is our nightly 9 p.m. Eastern open online meeting of AA. Uh, buddyc.org. You can get all of the books or on the front. Oh, speaking of books, we've got to decide what we're going to read next. And what I'd like to do is have another book like the one we got the story from today to kind of pepper in with verses of the Tao Te Ching. I think that works good to kind of come from both. And the book I want to do if no one has an objection, is Wentza is the name, W-N-T-Z-U. This is on the front page of the uh, of BuddyC.org, and I'll send you a PDF, too. I've got a PDF of the book. But it's, it's got 180 yeah. verses, and it came out around the same, just after the Tao Te Ching, and some of them are a paragraph and some are a couple of pages, but it's very good. I really like it. I'm reading, I'm up through about, I'm on 75. I'll read, I read it several mornings a week. So some of these are real good. Uh, and they're, they're in the same vein of what we've been talking about. So uh, I'd like for us to start doing that. So if you guys want to order your book or I'll uh, get, the, get the PDF for you, either, you know, Guys are welcome to. Um, let's get into the story today. Hang on, buddy. I got a question because the author of that book you just showed us was went went to went to who, who yeah. was it? Went so, says the understanding the mysteries is the name of the book, and it's translated by yeah. Tom Perry. Okay, so I have maybe what is could be a silly question, but I don't know, so I'm going to ask. What does the suffix T-Z-U then indicate on the end of these names? Because we've got Lao Tzu, Thompson, teacher. Thank you. Master teacher. Oh, there we go. Thanks. See? Carrie didn't know either. (laughs) Who did I? The teacher. Awesome. Thanks. Would you care to go ahead and read for us, Amy? Of course. I will read. Thank you, ma'am. Dow. Cocks crow, dogs bark. This all men know. Even the wisest cannot tell whence these voices come or explain why dogs bark and cocks crow when they do. Beyond the smallest of the small, there is no measure. Beyond the greatest of the great, there is also no measure. Where there is no measure, there is no thing. In this void, you speak of cause or of chance. You speak of things. Where there is no things. To name a name is to delimit a thing. When I look beyond the beginning, I find no measure. When I look beyond the end, 
I find also no measure. Where there is no measure, there is no beginning of anything. You speak of cause or chance. You speak of the beginning of something. Does Tao exist? Is it then a thing that exists? Can it non-exist? Is there then thing that exists that cannot not exist? To name Tao is to name no thing. Tao is not the name of an existent. Cause and chance have no bearing on Tao. Tao is a name that indicates without defining. Tao is beyond words and beyond things. It is not expressed either in word or in silence. Where there is no longer word or silence, Tao is apprehended. Easy for you to read. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any comments, guys? There's many. E- each line has something to say, and there's something to say about each line. Well, let's start at the beginning then. Yep. <laughs> Cocks, crow, dogs, bark. This all men know. Even the wisest cannot tell you why. <laughs> Basically, it says, uh, no one can tell you why this happens. Once these voices come or explain why they bark and crow when they do. That reminds me in the 12 and 12, you don't mind if I go ahead and jump to a quote, Amy, do you? I'm sorry, I'm ahead of you today on this. On uh, page 43 of the 12 and 12, it says, we want to find out, talking about our our character defects, our instincts, We want to find out exactly how, when, and where our natural desires have warped us. Not why, just how, when, and where. And I think it's back to asking the wrong question. Everyone wants to know why. You know, what's the first thing that always derailed me was wanting to understand why something happened. But me understanding why never brought a solution to anything i needed to know the how when and where you know not the why so that's the question on the on that first page i think they're asking is they're saying no one knows why it just is it just is and we don't need to know why that's nature it's cows you know birds chirp and do what it's it's nature's way of doing things. All right. As with anything in life, Marla, anytime we ask the question why, we're asking the wrong question. You know, it goes back to the quote I always use when they asked Jesus why the guy was blind. He was born blind. Did he sin or did his parents sin? You know, somebody's at fault here. Or this guy would not be blind is what they're saying. You know, we always want to look for who to blame in anything. And he said, you're asking the wrong question. What you should be asking is how can the father be glorified or or how I would look at that would be, can I find gratitude in this? How can I find gratitude would be the question to ask instead of why. Or what are my teachable moments? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if I get derailed, I have got to ask, you know, how can I find gratitude? Maybe not in the specific thing, but maybe. Uh, in 
me learning acceptance through a thing. I mean, when my son died, of course, I was not grateful for that happening. But I've been I'm very grateful for a lot of the lessons I have learned through the whole situation, which have been huge. So I can always find a way to be grateful, even in the worst of situations. Anything else on that first page before we move to the next? I think that's about all that's there. That's all I saw, unless you guys see something else. Is it just that cocks are supposed to crow because that's what they do, and dogs are supposed to bark because that's what they do? I mean, it's just that simple. They're barking and crowing because that's what dogs and crows do? Yes. It is that simple. I think so. I think so, too. Beyond the smallest of the small, there is no measure. Beyond the greatest of the great, there's also no measure. Where there is no measure, there is no thing. So beyond the small and beyond the great, there is no thing. In this void, uh, in this void, you speak of cause or of chance. Back to the why again. Who's causing this? Or is it just by chance, you know? Is everything as it should be? Or did I do it? Or did the devil do it? Maybe the devil did it. You know, you see what I mean? They're they're going for that, I think. That idea of, you know, looking at the why. Still digging down for the why. If I may add, I'm just, you know, I'm looking as I I have read this a couple times on how... um, it's it's for me it's talking about how when when i label things it becomes that thing and how you know in the simplest terms like if you label something like a pen it's always going to be a pen it's limited to being a pen now like a car you know if you name it something else is it still a car I, when I when I I guess I'm trying to say is um, everything we everything out there we have created in our head, and it what really is out there is nothingness because it's all created in our head. It, but the reality is that a car is not really a car; we just label it that. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. It's, it's kind of, you know, I'm kind of pulling way, way back. It's like I'm, I'm on the James Webb telescope right now looking at the universe. I think you're on Miguel Ruiz's telescope and talking about the four agreements and the fifth agreement and how we were absolutely programmed. Like I was having this conversation. It's so weird that you just said all that. I was having a conversation with my daughter yesterday about her son and I was, um, she's gotten into some Brene Brown um things and I'm like that's that's great that's awesome spiritual spiritual things and different way of looking at things and I said you know I said you could <laughs> you could hold up something blue to to your son and say that's green and teach him that blue is green and he will be programmed to see blue and say that's green and of course everybody else is going to go no that's blue but how do we really know that that's blue and not green to begin with? Because someone told us that it was blue. There you go. So there is no reality at all. Only that's perception of what we think. I was just thinking, when you got done, Marla, my thought was going to be, 
you know, when we think about colors, I wonder if what I see is blue, you're really seeing green and you've been told it's blue, that we don't see the same color. I was just fixing to have, have that comment. And so does that not translate to our experiences? They're all colored by our own coloring or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but that's really what someone else has colored for us. Yes. There's nothing original in here. Yeah. And then when we see green. Chris is going <laughs> Green. Who has blue and green on today. <laughs> we see Chris. Yeah, which is it, green or blue? <laughs> yes. Yes. You got a comment, Chris? Yeah. Well, you know, it's sort of funny because I think because, um, you know, to me, we learn those labels from our outside environment. We relate to other people. We learn when people say the grass is green, that what green is. Um, and so it's our way of relating to each other. Um, you know, uh, well, anyway, I think that's, that's, an, that's it. If I, I'll start rambling if I say much more. <laughs> And, you know, the thing is this, once we hear the, the, the grass is green, we no longer think about it could be another color. Right. We stop our thinking when we label it, like we were talking yeah. about. Marla. And it's we, uh, in the, a couple of days ago, we were talking about our own limiting beliefs, so, you know, the things I've told myself. And once I understood what they were, that none of the, my limiting beliefs that I said about myself were true about me. Hmm. Eric? I was just going to say, it reminds me of a story. My my nephew, when he was young, he's super smart. And uh, he had to fill out a thing about what color things are. And one of them was what color apples. And he wrote green. And uh, the teachers didn't know they're red. <laughs> it's like, well, no, we got green apples at home, you know? <laughs> it was limiting the teacher's thought, right? I, I don't know, just yeah. think of that. Thank you, Carrie. Then it says you speak of things where there is no thing. To name a name is to the limit or limit it, limit a thing. Reminded me of what? Go ahead, Chris. Uh, I'm not sure what your distinction you're trying to make it says is to delimit a thing. To name a to name a name is to delimit a thing. What what he's saying there, I think, is to name a name is is to actually limit it. That's what the the limit means the same thing. You're determining a boundary. Mm. The limit. I had to look up the, the uh definition, honestly. It says agreements mm. uh determine the limit or boundaries of. So you're actually mm -hmm. limiting it when you name right. it. That reminds yeah. me of in meditation, you know we're taught to do that, Chris. To to mm -hmm. note Noting is a practice to help with your thoughts. Like, oh, oh, that's a thought about this, or oh, there's a thought about. And once you name it, it has a tendency to diminish. Mm -hmm. Once you recognize it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Big book quote, page 68. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. When Sandy Beach... Yeah, when Sandy Beach, um, when someone asked him one time if he believed in God, 
he said, no, because if I name God, and this is paraphrasing, of course, if I name God as God, then I'm actually limiting what God can be. So I don't believe in God. I just believe in my case, universe, because for me right now in my journey, universe seems like so big and so just beyond my comprehension of even understanding the limits of, right? It's limitless. So for me, God being the universe is just forever and ever and ever, right? No name though, just because I, as a human being, I have to put labels on things because then my brain can kind of comprehend. Yes. I don't know if that made sense. I think our brains work like that. We have to uh, compartmentalize everything to make sense of it. Isn't it amazing that the most expansive thought that we could have is about God and we limited God to a three-letter word? Makes no sense at all. Flip it around. Yes, it's dog spelled backwards, right? (laughs) Dog is dogs bark. Why do dogs bark? Because that's what dogs do. Yeah. And, Ke- and Kevin Bacon has a dog, I heard, too. <laughs> All right. Um, when I look beyond the beginning, I find no measure. When I look beyond the end, I find no measure. Where there is no measure, there's no beginning of anything. You speak of cause or chance. You speak of the beginning as something. Back to that idea again. Why is this, you know, trying to figure it out intellectually? I think he's setting us up for this last paragraph is what he's doing. The last stanza. Does Tao exist? Is it then a thing that exists? Or can it not exist? Is there then thing that exists that cannot not exist? To name Tao is to name no thing. Thou is not the name of an existent. Cause and chance have no bearing on thou. Thou, and I like this part right here. Thou is a name that indicates without defining. I thought about that, how we have some things that are named that defines what the thing is. Yeah, like a Bible? Like a tape measure. What is a tape? Well, it's a tape measure, you know. You've just defined it by the name. And Bible, I guess, would be that way, yeah. But when you say strawberry, you really don't, you really haven't defined it, you know, because until you taste the strawberry, you really don't know what the strawberry is, right? Then you have to make labels for your, your definitions of taste. But but you can't describe that, Marla. You can't, you know, you, you can't describe to someone how strawberry tastes. You can describe it, but it would be nothing compared to the actual taste. You have to experience. Right. Yes. Okay. Experience. Experience. So the name, the Tao, Tao is a name, and it's a three-letter name, too. Couldn't get any shorter. It just indicates. It's a description. It's not it. So what were they calling it? I, no, I'm not, not, not calling it. How did they 
come to get to the fact that there is a doubt that there is it just by experiencing the way nature flows or I know it, it's a complicated idea. So you know, well, how did that all it means is path. Yeah, I know, but you know, almost everybody in the world has a different idea of what the path is. Where did that come from? I mean, where there's a, 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 a there's like an there's like a the spine where everything comes out of. So is that where does the spine come from? Don't flip me the bird. I haven't been back. It's, no, it's my index oh. finger. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm number one, but don't you don't have to remind me. You know? Like where? Yeah, where? Yeah, I don't. I think it goes back to that idea, Marla, that we all have that intuitive knowing that we're part of something greater. I think that's where it came from. That's why every um, culture has some idea or belief of something greater than just them individually. Some label. Well, some, yeah, but it's more than that, Chris. It's that we all have, we have this intuitive knowing that there is something more than us. It's intuition. It's intuitive. What's it's right. Experience with the intuitive Marla. But yes, but I got to believe they, you know, they also went along with the flow of nature as best as they could because they had no choice. You know, they didn't well, have buildings. Yeah. It's our example. And 2,500 years ago, they didn't have a lot of the, um, they didn't have the technology we have now. They, they used the things they had. You know, it's the emptiness of the cup that makes the cup useful. Yeah. You know, they, they just used, they used what they had. The finger pointing at the moon. You know, it's not the finger that's important. It's what it's pointing at. The boat, you know, the empty boat. All the things that we get from, I think that's one reason I like Taoist thought so much is it's conveying these ideas that are so much bigger in, in simple terms that are so simplistic. Every step is on the path, you know. And it's asking us not to think too much about it, but just do the right thing and just do intuitively what's but right. Is- but isn't it interesting <laughs> that it took us thinking a lot about shit to get us to the point? Like, this is some deep conversation that we're having right now. And it takes a lot of thought to not think. <laughs> but think about this, Amy. <laughs> oh, this, Amy. Oh, <laughs> Here we go. You know. Consider this. Don't think about this, Amy. All right. Um, <laughs> We had to, it, it took all of this to bring us, think, think about recovery. We tried everything in the world, or no, I did, to stop drinking and to control my life. And what it took was the simplest thing of all, to stop, to surrender. The act of surrender was the most difficult, but yet it is the simplest. There's nothing simpler than letting go, 
stopping the fight. It's simple, what simple but not easy, right? But I think it's, I'm sorry, I'm hijacking. I, I think it's indicative, though, of how we have to unlearn. We have to deprogram, right? We have to uncover, discover, discard. Get rid of all of the shit that was everybody else's. So we can just be our true authentic selves at the most simplistic version, which is the purest form, which is, what did it say? The smaller than... Beyond the smallest of small. At the same time, it's the greatest of the great. Like that's, it's both for us. The Tao is beyond words and beyond things. It is not expressed either in word or silence. Now listen to this one. Where there's no longer word or silence, Tao's apprehended, not comprehended, apprehended. When I first read that, I read comprehend. You know, I just, that's what I thought. I said, oh, yeah, I understood. I I don't understand the doubt. And then I looked up the the difference in the words. Apprehended means to understand or perceive. Or comprehend means to understand mentally. And perceive means to become aware of. So the Tao is awareness, not mental understanding so i just googled apprehend versus comprehend because that was good buddy that you mentioned comprehend apprehension is a state of mind wherein a person does not fully grasp the meaning of an idea or object presented to him while comprehension is a state of mind wherein he is able to fully understand the meaning of the idea or object presented to him that's a little different definition than what I found. Mm-hmm. But I think it's that idea that the Tao is from our intuitive knowing, Marla, our awareness, not from our mental understanding. Because where it says there is no longer, where there's no longer word or silence, Tao's apprehended. So this awareness comes when we're beyond words or silence. None of our figuring out and conniving or or trying to understand is going to work regardless of what direction we go. It's beyond that. This is seems to me really um, the first verse of the Tao Te Ching. Yes. You want to read that for us, Chris? I've got got the uh, um, Dyer's version of it right here. The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The Tao is both named and nameless. As nameless, it is the origin of all things. As named, it is the mother of 10,000 things. Ever desireless, one can see the mystery. Ever desiring, one sees only the manifestation. And the mystery itself is the doorway to all understanding. Thank you, Chris. Where I, where I get these, the meaning of this that we're reading today um, from verse one is through discussions that I read of, about verse one and these various books they talk about. They develop that verse quite a bit in, the, in this way. So, um, Thank you, Chris. Oh, you have more? Well, let's see if I can get my 
Kindle back up. Uh oh, yeah. pardon me. Aaron. I'm going to go ahead and read something while you're doing that. Chris. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, this is from Joko Beck's book, Ordinary Wonder. Oh. What is practice? This is page 95. If you love the sacred and despise the ordinary, you're still bobbing in the ocean of delusion. That's from uh, Zen master Renzai. Sometimes people say Zen practice doesn't work. Well, of course it doesn't work. The only thing that works is us. It's not the practice, it's us. The practice is the act of placing our awareness on what is occurring in this moment as best we can. We are the joy, love, and compassion of this moment, regardless of what it may look like on the, in, on the outside. So we're joy, love, and compassion of this moment, regardless of what it may look like on the outside. I've got a couple little things I want to read here. It promotes the welfare of ourselves and other people. When we practice, we pay attention. The more we practice, the greater our understanding is not just of ourselves, but of how life works and how things more or less go. When we have that, we tend to have a life that's more satisfactory. It feels better to us. We like basically to make sense. whether. You're working on your car, going for a walk with a friend, or taking piano lessons. Each of these things done with awareness is both ordinary and sacred. When you can feel this duality of the everyday and the sacred without twisting your mind around it, you'll begin to feel a joy that embraces both happiness and unhappiness. We live as if we are a little judge that's sitting inside of us wagging a finger at everything. Now, we're not really living our life. We're just trying to get it all fixed so it suits the judge. <laughs> we can't enjoy our experience or other people because the judgment and the emotion, this concoction in our heads runs our life. That's exactly what this verse is saying, I think. Um. There are times when we become aware of our constant judging and have a good chance to take a look at it. If you're sitting in meditation every day, you have an opportunity to see how your mind works. I was reading that this morning. That's where I was at in my book for our book study. I'm like, wow, that <laughs> is this story. Because this is saying what. What the Tao is, is what's between our words. It's not the silence, nor is it the understanding. It's it's none of that. It's just what is. That's good. It was a very juicy verse. Story yeah. Of, you know it. That really reminds me of meditation. It's a description for me of meditation. It's what happens when I sit. Because I just, and I'll give you an example of something I sat with this week that I had. Chris knows about this. We talked about it Monday night. It's been a week or two ago. I flipped on my Netflix. I've been divorced now for, well, December was a year. And I looked and my ex-wife is still on my Netflix. And she's got her boyfriend now. And I was just thinking, 
my ex-wife sitting around watching my Netflix with her boyfriend. And I was just like getting off, not because, and I'm like, where is this coming from? I mean, I instigated the divorce. I mean, it's not like I'm upset that she's dating somebody, you know? And I'm like, why am I upset about this? I'm like, she makes a lot of money. Why in the world she should be buying mine, you know? Or I was just getting old. You know, and I wrote wrote a big text about it, you know. I was going to just, what the fuck are you doing using my, you know I mean? I was just all hot, you know. And I was like, oh. I said, no, I have an opportunity. I'm going to sit with this. It's not costing me anything. I said, let me just sit with it a little bit and see why I'm feeling this way. So I didn't try to explain it. I did what this is saying. I wasn't about, I just let it be. And every time it would pop on, I would, you know, I'd, Netflix, it shows all the profiles and there she is, you know, and I'm like, it just bothered me. And I was like, ah, why is this bothering me? And I just sat with it a while, gave it a few days, wrote another text, didn't send it because it wasn't good either. You know, it wasn't right. What do I do? Asked a friend and friend said, well, I just changed a password. And uh, (laughs) I said, no, I can't do that. You know? I said, I'm not going to create a problem here when there's no problem. The problem's in my head, you know. I said, what do I do about it? And I just sat there a little bit because I wanted to learn from it instead of just, you know, doing what I used to do, which is react and, you know, cause ill feeling. So she messaged me about something else or something happened. I forget what it was. And I just texted her and said, "Uh, are you still using my Netflix? And she Took a little while to respond. <laughs> she said, she said, yes. And I said, and this just came immediately then. I just said, well, there's no need in us both having to pay for an account. Why don't you pay for the next year? And she responded back with, that's a great idea. I'll do that. So she did. And the next time I saw her name, it didn't bother me at all. I don't care. They're whatever, while they're watching the Netflix, it doesn't matter to me, you know. But it didn't bother me anymore. And I realized it wasn't the jealousy that was the problem. I thought, I think it was her taking advantage of me financially was probably what was behind that. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't bother me at all. But I had to sit with it for a while until I could get comfortable with it, you know, and just let it be instead of trying to figure it out. Um, I just have to know, though, what would you have said if she had said, no, I'm not using your Netflix. Why do you ask? I said, okay, I'll just have to delete her profile because her profile is good. So um, (laughs) way more spiritual than me, buddy. I'm going to change the password. And then when somebody, when she would have texted me and said, Hey, did you change the password? I would have been like, yeah, because you're not freeloading off me, but that's just me. I I didn't create a resentment either. I mean, I I appreciate respect. And like I said, I think you're just way more spiritual. The other thing happened too. We still have a joint checking account that we never have gotten rid of. Well, I'm, I mean, the reason is we don't use it, but for taxes and all that stuff, we'd had some money that would go there and we just haven't closed it out because it's not been a priority. And I told her at the same time, I said, hey, I need to go ahead and close this account, by the way, while we're talking. 
Uh, how much of this money is yours? And I don't remember. And she responded with, I don't think any of it is. Go ahead and take it. And it was like a few hundred bucks, you know. And I was like, wow, I bet she wouldn't have done that if I would have been uh, an ass. <laughs> you know, at the same time, I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, I would have done that and cut it in that. But literally this morning, my first husband sent me a text message and said, hey, I've got a tax question. And I willingly, I said, okay. He said, may I call you? And I said, okay. I didn't think, I not two shits about it. I tried to answer the question to the best of my ability. We had a pretty decent conversation. Um, and I, it wasn't even about, you know, what's in it for me or why are you asking me? I'm not sure why, you know, it wasn't any of that. So I guess maybe I am a little bit a spiritualist. <laughs> You can be more spiritual than me if you want to be, Amy. I don't care. Um, maybe this might make me more spiritual. Um, because are we in a competition here? I'm always in a everything in my life is a competition. I'm still in competition with my twin sister, and we are grown ass women. Um, so Monday of this week, also about exes, I got an opportunity to be of maximum service for my teenage daughter who I share with hostage number two. Um, his brother-in-law passed away. Um, and my daughter was so concerned with my uncomfortability that could be at the funeral and the after the funeral thing. And I just said, you know what? I said, I, it, it, this is not about me. This is the closest relative that you've ever had pass away. You're 17 years old. I, as your mom, need to be, I need to suit up and show up for you regardless, whatever that looks like. And so hostage number two and his family and all the friends we used to hang out with and party hard with were all there. And it was never about, it, it was absolutely never about how uncomfortable am I? It was about how can I be of service to these people who are experiencing this loss? Um, so at one time I was holding the balloons that were going to be released and I was just the balloon holder. At another time I, I made a plate for, you know, I, I just, however I could, could show up for these people was what it was about. It was about service. It wasn't about what can I get or, or revenge or, or any of that. So Hmm. Maybe that's my own Netflix story. Both of them. We have those all the time, Amy, as we start. We suddenly realize that what is it God's doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves? <laughs> or we could say, how about this? We suddenly realize that love is doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Huh? That Man, that's good. powerful. That's good. But, you know, the solution's always beyond the words. It's not in the side. The solution can't be found. It has to be experienced. I think that's what it's saying, you know. You got to taste the strawberry. It's hard, it's hard to do, but I've been doing that more often lately too. Where just something will happen, or I'll ask somebody to do something, and then nothing happens, and then I just say, "Well, let me just see where this is going to go." Before I start, like, you know, why didn't you got this done yet? And, Next thing you know, you realize they're working so hard about on something behind the scenes and trying to help you out and do something really good. And, you know, you're about to do something 
the old Avenue. And it's just, I've been doing that more and more where I just take a step back and almost think of it like curiosity. Like, let me see if this one will work out. And nine out of 10, it's like, they do. It's amazing without me even ever doing a thing. Thank you, Kerry. Hmm. That's good, guys. Anyone else with anything? I don't want to rush this out. But uh, I just remember if I sit with a situation until that solution just bubbles up instead of the other way where I'm looking for an, an understanding that's going to give me the solution. And I know the difference. You know, I know the difference when I'm thinking my way instead of knowing my way. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. This feels so wrong sometimes, though. <laughs> like you, you feel like you should be doing something. That's that's where it's hard, right? It's just well, you're really doing it, Carrie, and that's the thing. You know, you're doing something. What you're doing is you're waiting, <laughs> you're resting, you're being with it instead of pushing against it. You know, that's that's work. That's what effortless effort is. I think is it's effort but it's without the dishonesty and the selfishness and the resentment and the fear. It's fearless effort. Hmm. So anything else you got it? Go ahead, Chris. I got a, so this verse that starts with, uh, when I look beyond the beginning, I find no measure. When I look beyond the end, I also, I find also no measure. Um, you know, I'm an engineer, and so I took this sort of literally, you know, (laughs) you're measuring things, Uh, and I thought of size. It made me think that things are just so big that um, out there in the universe that um, trying to talk about its size or label it or anything like that just can't work, just doesn't work. Yeah, you know, and it's either direction, too, you know. Yeah. It's when, so, you know, the smallest of the small or the greatest of the great, neither one is the solution. And it applies to time, too. Yeah. Similar idea. And calls are chance. They're saying, Mm -hmm. you know, you understanding, you thinking you understand why is not the solution. There's no solution in your thinking that's going to to compare with apprehending the Tao, with perceiving the Tao. All right. I like that verse. Yeah, that was good. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you all for a great conversation. You guys have a great week, and we will see you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.